Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. Stand with me for the reading of the word. Isaiah 6 is where we're going. It's in our series that we're concluding today. But then I'm going to throw in Ephesians chapters 1 and Ephesians chapter 2 as well. So Isaiah 6, 1 through 7, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. The train of his robe filled the temple. Now listen, if you missed last week, go to golifepoint.com, go to the podcast, check that out. There's so much in, in these lines, these verses, 1 through 7, but I'm going to cut it short there and just, just read that first one. But go check it out. There's so much God's saying to us in these verses. But let me read this again, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Ephesians 1, 19. And, and really, all of Ephesians, that, that those first couple of chapters are just a prayer that, that's so powerful. But notice, Verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet. And gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. If the enemy is under his feet and we're his body, he's under our feet. Amen. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6 to drive home the point. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace are you saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, which means far above all principality and power and might and dominion, every name that is named in this age, the age that is to come. Folks, we have a privileged position in Christ, if you know Him. Now, we're going to continue our series entitled Glory. And today's installment is simply entitled, There's Already a Trophy for Your Victory. There's already a trophy for your victory. And I hope I can preach this. Let's just pray right now. Father, I just pray, God, that you would help me to preach. Help us to hear. Speak a word deep into our spirits, God, that that revolutionizes the way we view the struggles that we're facing. And I, I just ask all of this in Jesus' name. We give you all the praise. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Last week we looked at how Isaiah could not get a hold of the future until he let go of the past. I showed pictures of monkey bars, especially that, that ladder monkey bar that you had to, to move forward. You had to let go of the previous rung. Y'all remember that? You can go check it out on the podcast. Even though Isaiah did not understand his friend Uzziah's failure, after 37 years of faithful service to the Lord and then the judgment that God put on Uzziah, Isaiah didn't understand all that. Isaiah still had to move forward. There's some things we don't understand. We never will understand this side of eternity. But 
we can't let our future die because we won't let go of the past. And Isaiah did move forward. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. He got a revelation of the Lord. He got a revelation of himself. He got a revelation of the future. He, he saw the messianic age. Unto us a child is born, a son is given. He got a revelation of the cross. He, he, he took our infirmities and bare our diseases. He got a, a view of the church, the millennial reign of Christ, and on and on. It's incredible what he ended up seeing when he let go of the past. It's amazing what God will show you if you'll just let go of the past. Some of you have a future you didn't even realize. The reason you don't realize it, you haven't let go of the past. Just got to let go of the past to see the future. And, and today we're going to deal with the specific part of this vision that he saw, uh, where he saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe filling the temple. Everybody say the train of his robe filling the temple. Now, I, I want to start out by, by talking about, Aaron, if you could help me out, I, I want to start out by talking about uh, trophies. Now, I have told you guys that while we lived in Maryland, because we were in Baltimore for years, and my, my oldest kids, Caleb and Lizzie, when we lived in, in Maryland, they were world champion Bible quizzers. Now, you, you may not be familiar with what Bible quizzing is, but you trust me, that is a powerful subculture. There, there is a powerful subset of people called quizzers, Bible quizzers. And, and you talking about a tight-knit community, it's like cult-like, right? It is cult-like. And, and, and uh, uh, anyhow, that they, they were world champion uh, Bible quizzers. We have a Bible quizzing team here at uh, LifePoint. And uh, thank God for it. Brittany Booth, Elizabeth Butler, Madison Williams making this happen. Very excited about it. And uh, yeah, come on now. Yeah, we're excited about putting our kids in a cult, right? <laughs> it is intensely competitive. And the, the overarching goal is to learn verses in the Bible. You want, to, you want your kids to learn, to memorize Scripture. But, but the, I'm telling you, the driving force is that you want to crush the opponent. You want to win is what you want to do. You want to annihilate the competitors from the other squirrely churches and, and their little squirrely kids. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. It gets intense, y'all. I'm just telling you, it gets intense. And some churches with Bible quizzing teams, well, they have trophy cases where they display their trophies. Now, we have trophies here from Maryland. We have held on to them because we were so proud of our kids. I mean, we had another kid on the team, uh, but he wasn't that good. Caleb and Lizzie were awesome. And we won trophies. And I hope that family never hears this podcast. Now that I think about it, well, I'm just kidding. He was awesome. So uh, that third kid was awesome. He was a great quizzer. But uh, Caleb and Lizzie were better. But anyhow, here is uh, from 2001. This is the third place trophy. And... Um, this is uh, a, a third place trophy. This is a first place trophy right here. This is a first place trophy right here. We learned as we went and we became awesome 
in Bible quizzing. And we held on to those trophies. Some churches, like I said, they have cases with all their trophies displayed. High schools and colleges have trophy cases. Professional sports teams have trophy cases. LSU has a trophy case. Southern has a trophy case. New Orleans Saints, they have a trophy case. I have a friend who plays putt-putt. He calls it he calls it miniature golf. I call it putt-putt. But he's a semi-pro at it. He travels the country and he gets trophies. And he hangs on to them. Some of you collect trophies of another kind. If you go to Kevin and Carla Berry's home out in French Settlement, here's what you're going to see hanging on the wall. Deer heads. Big, gigantic trophy deer staring at you with those fake eyes creepily hanging on the walls. Trophies. Some of you have got 9-pound, 10-pound bass and 20-pound stripers and all kind of big fish that you have hanging on your walls. Years ago, I caught a 5-and-a-half-pound big mouth bass at Cypress Lake or Black Bayou back in the day. Freshwater, big mouth bass, 5-and-a-half pounds. It was the biggest fish I'd ever caught. I know it's small to some of y'all. Rob, I saw you fishing up there in Arkansas. Saw some of those pictures, man. I had a five and a half pound big mouth bass. It was big enough for me to get mounted. I had it hanging on my wall. Valerie didn't like it. Made me move it to the storage room. And speaking of squirrely things, a squirrel got in my storage room and ate that formaldehyde infested big mouth bass to where there was nothing left. It's infuriating. But it really happened. I really did catch that five-and-a-half-pound bass. Trophies symbolize, they represent and testify to past struggles, accomplishments, wins, victories. Came into a struggle, walked out with a W. You've got to have some trophies around. We tend to hang on to them. In other words, it's saying this wasn't easy. I mean, I know there's participation trophies, but that's not what I'm talking about. This wasn't easy. This was a fight. This was a struggle. But I prevailed. I overcame. I won. And in the days of Isaiah, when a king conquered another king, well, trophies were collected. And, and one of the common trophies was the cape or the train of the defeated king. The conquering king would take his cape, take that guy's cape or the train of his robe, and he would attach it to his own. And the longer the train, the more victories that that king had to his name. King A conquers King B. Well, King A would take the train of King B's robe, put it on his own. And when Isaiah saw the Lord, he knew this tradition. He knew how this worked. He not only saw the Lord high and lifted up on this throne, but he saw the train of his robe, and he said, man, that's the biggest train I've ever seen. It fills not just the throne, it fills the whole temple. And I think you could argue that that seraphim went on to say, and the whole earth is filled with his glory. His train goes throughout the world. In other words, there was victory after victory after victory after victory on the train of his robe. There were billions upon billions upon billions, I would argue, of victories that filled that room and filled the world. You need to hear what I'm saying today. 
Isaiah got a glimpse beyond the veil of the temporary. He wasn't limited to this time and space. He saw beyond those limitations. He saw into the realm of the eternal. And he did not see a God who loses. He saw a God who wins. He did not see a losing God but a winning God. Not a God with a zero and and, and 13 record or a, or a 1 and 12 record or, or a 6 and 7 record. Isaiah saw a winning God who crushed his opponents. Isaiah got a glimpse, I believe, of every victory that God would ever win. It was in that eternal realm. He saw them all at the same time. I mean, listen to me. Going back to the Garden of Eden, let's just take it back there. When Adam and Eve fell and God covers them in these bloody skins and they build an altar and offer a sacrifice and call on the name of the Lord and fellowship is restored, that was a trophy. That was a win right there. And Isaiah saw it in that throne room. When Noah built that ark and everybody thought he was crazy, but he heard the Lord and he built that boat. And a year later after the flood, he exits that boat and, and, and offers a sacrifice. I mean, they floated for a year. It took them 120 years to build it. Floated for a year on that boat. And when he exits that boat and he builds a, an altar and offers a sacrifice and calls on the name of the Lord, there was a trophy. And it was on that train of his robe that filled the temple. It, it was a struggle that came at extreme cost, but it was a trophy. That, that was some 2,000 years before uh, Uzziah died, but it was a trophy. Adam and Eve, that was 3,300 years before Uzziah died. And then on and on it goes. When Abraham uh, listened to the voice of God and said, I'm, I'm not going to try to build Babylon like my father, but I'm going to seek a city whose builder and maker is God. And he stepped out and he left Terah and he entered into the, the promised land and he started trekking around. That was a victory for God. There was a trophy for that and it was on the robe that Isaiah saw. When Joseph said to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God has turned around and meant it for good. And and he's raised me up for such a time as this to save you and the rest of the world. That was a trophy. God made that happen. And Isaiah saw it. When David took off running towards Goliath with all of his might, slinging that sling, and said, I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. And he slew Goliath and delivered Israel that day. That was a trophy that God won. David was just the element that was used, but it was a trophy of the Lord's, and it was on the train of his robe that filled the temple. And Isaiah saw it. I'm telling you, every victory that God had won was on the train of his robe in the temple that day. That's why it filled the temple. Isaiah just thought that he knew the Lord, but come to find out he didn't know squat. He had not dared to consider what he saw that day. He got a glimpse of the collective victories of the Lord God Almighty, and it overwhelmed him. If we could see the victories that the Lord has And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but even the ones that he has prepared for us, our minds would be blown. His train filled the temple. That wasn't just those folks in the Bible, y'all. You got to hear what I'm saying. Not only did Isaiah see victories of the past, he saw victories of the future in the Bible. 
Israel returning from Babylonian captivity, the temple being rebuilt. There was a trophy for that. We're going to put that on the train of his robe. When Herod was trying to kill Jesus, and through the miraculous hand of the Lord, he escaped and he survived. There was a trophy for that. Isaiah saw it some 700 years earlier. When Jesus overcame the devil in the wilderness, he said, get behind me, Satan. Hey, Isaiah saw the trophy that was for that. When Jesus died on the cross and that tomb was emptied out and he rose alive forevermore, there was a trophy for that. Isaiah saw it. He won. He won. When the, when the Holy Ghost was poured out in Acts chapter 2 and the church was born, there was a trophy for that. There was a win. It was on the train of his robe. When the lame man was healed in Acts chapter 3, Isaiah saw a trophy for that. When Paul and Silas were singing praises at midnight and there was this miraculous jail break, there was a trophy for that. And Isaiah saw it. But listen, it's even more personal. Every victory that God's ever given you, when you were lost and undone, living out there any old way you wanted to live, dead in your trespasses and sin, but God, who is rich in mercy, found you and saw you and raised you up and caused you to sit together with him in heavenly places. That, my friend, was a trophy. There's a trophy for that. Your trophy, Isaiah, saw it 2,700 years ago. Come on now, give him some praise for that. Listen, when you, when you were like, uh, man, I don't know about water baptism. That's a crazy idea like Aaron was Wednesday night. Wednesday night before service, right at the beginning, we baptized Aaron in Jesus' name in these waters. There's a trophy for that. Isaiah saw it 2,700 years ago. I didn't see it 27 minutes before, but God saw it 2,700 years before. Amen? It was a trophy for that. When God filled you with the Holy Ghost, you began to speak in that heavenly language. All of hell was trying to stop that from happening. But listen, God's already pre-planned your life. He's master-planned your life for victory and blessing and favor and success and anointing and power, the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. And no weapon formed against you will prosper. There's already a trophy for that. Amen. There's a trophy for that. Notice it did not say, uh, no weapons will ever be formed against you. My trophy's getting loosey-goosey here. Let's stop right now. <laughs> it doesn't say that no weapon will ever be formed against you. It says that, that the weapons that are formed, as a matter of fact, the, the indication from the text is there will be weapons formed against you. But they won't prosper. It may be a struggle. It, it, you may have to go into battle, but you'll win. There's already a trophy for that. Every battle you faced, there's already a trophy. I'm telling you, we just think that we know our God. But I'm here to remind us all. He is able, the Bible says it, to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. He is bigger than we have limited him to. There is nothing that is too hard for my God. He is mighty to save. He is mighty to heal. 
He is mighty to deliver. There's no mountain that he cannot move. There's no addiction that he cannot break. Let me ask you today, what are you facing? What battles are you facing right now? There's already a trophy for that. You need to go ahead and give him some praise in advance because there's a victory waiting for you on the other side. Come on, praise him right now. Come on now. There's already a trophy for that. It's already settled. Just put your faith in him. 1 John 5, 4. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. It's not, can, can, you, can you perform this? Can you make this happen? It, the idea is this, can you believe him and not give up and not lose? The only way to lose is to give up. Just don't give up. There's a trophy. There's a trophy on the other side of this. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. Now, I'm 53 years old. There are times that I look around and, and I am just, uh, I'm overwhelmed by my own culture, by society. i got to be honest with you right now. Can I be honest with you? As if I'm never honest with you. Can I be honest with you? Okay, I'll be honest with you. I'm sometimes overwhelmed. I look at society, and it looks to me like God's losing. There's so much that's wrong in our world. I mean, there are so many issues and so many problems. Let me just start like this. Our mission is to take the gospel to the whole world. Our gospel is to get Jesus to people. Jesus, people, mission. That's, that's what we do. And yet, it looks like in some places of the world, there are billions upon billions that it, it looks like it's too impossible for God. It's like it's impossible for there to be revival like in Iran or Sudan or Iraq or Somalia. It just looks overwhelming. And, and now here's the, the deal. I, I am privy to some information, and, and you probably are too. We've, we've got a fellow that's going to be here in July who, who ministers in some of these regions and the countries that uh, you're not supposed to. And he testifies to the fact that there are many who believe in Jesus in some of these very oppressive regimes and situations, that there are victories in those places. There is revival in some of those places. And, and, and when we look at him and say, there's no way God can move there, I'm telling you, he's already moving there. Let me just remind you, is anything too hard for God? I'm going to tell you, there ain't no caliphate. There ain't no kind of situation that can stop the Holy Ghost from moving into a situation and stirring up people and saving souls and plucking them from hell. If God can raise up the terrorist known as Saul of Tarsus, God can raise up some other terrorist in our day and time to bring the gospel to some of these oppressed regions of the world. Give God some praise right now for worldwide revival. tell you something else. Here's another world that seems impossible for revival to me. Hollywood. My God, what's going on in Hollywood? Hooray for Hollywood. What? It blows my mind. The this, this center of influence, as we become more entertainment based, 
the power of Hollywood has just grown exponentially. It's like another planet. Planet Hollywood, right? It's not much different than first century Rome, entertainment, pride, money, hedonism, and the generations are infatuated with Hollywood. Uh, as I was preparing this, I was reminded of a story, a guy I know named Lee Stone King. Brother Stone King was preaching in New York City in the 80s, and I verified, I asked him about this story personally. In the 80s, he was preaching in New York City at a little Pentecostal church, obscure, not a big-name mega church, just a little church. And he said as they were singing and worshiping God, he said a couple of gentlemen walked in the back and sat on the back row. He said, I was standing on the platform, and he said, I, I kind of went down, and I went up to them, and I said, are you who I think you are? And they said, yes, but please don't draw attention to us. We just want to come in here and worship God with you. He said, very well. And he said, I went back up. I preached. He said, they worshiped God the entire time. It was Robert Redford and Robert Duvall. And Duvall had had an experience with God that had shaken him to his core. Some of you children don't know these people, but uh, Redford's in the Avengers. There you go. Duvall had had an experience with God that had shaken him, and he was on a quest. He was hungry. He ended up making a movie that, that was loosely based on some of his experiences called The Apostle. And, uh, but, but he was just pursuing. He was seeking. I, I, and, and the thing is, should we be surprised? Can my God not move in that arena? Can they shut that door up so tight that the Holy Ghost can't get in there? I'm telling you, there ain't no devil in hell that can stop God when he starts moving and he starts getting into the hearts and lives of people. Hallelujah. I'll never forget when we were planting this church, we were exploring the land. We were spying out the land. It was right after Katrina. We were staying in a microtel on I-12 and it was a disaster. The, the rooms had been ransacked. You could hardly get a room. Our bathroom do, door didn't shut. It's me, Valerie, Caleb, Lizzie, Alexander, our three kids. And, and we're all in a room with one bed, a, a window seat, and a hot tub in the middle of the room. Like, boy, this is awesome, you know. Right, kids, just go ahead and get in the hot tub, you know. Like, the AC didn't work. Uh, it was hot. It was miserable. I had a headache. It's 2 in the morning. I can't sleep. I'm tossing and turning. And my phone rang. And I thought, my razor phone. Oh, yeah, right? Careful. The razor phone. Yeah, I've always been high tech, y'all. Had that razor. Flipped it open like Captain Kirk. Hello? And, and, and it was a friend of mine, David Smith. He was here a few weeks ago on a Wednesday night. David was in Hollywood. And he was beside him, so he was breathless. He was almost speechless, which, which is a miracle for David Smith. He's like, man, man let's, oh, what are you doing? I was like, I'm sleeping. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm on Central Time. He said, man, I, I just, I've, been, I've been in church. He said, do you, know, do you know Johnny Lang? And I said, dude, I've been out of, I've been out of circulation of the music business for a while. I, I don't know. I don't. He's like, you don't know Johnny Lang? I said, I don't know Johnny Lang. He said, Johnny Lang just got the Holy Ghost. He's a big blues guy. Well, then I found out he is a big deal. Johnny Lang, he just got the Holy Ghost. He said, do you know Brian Head Welch? 
I said, Brian, who, what? Brian Head Welch. He's like, he's a, he's a guitar player from the band Corn. you know, backward K-O-R-N, Corn. you know, Corn. Uh, I said, well, I've seen those bumper stickers. He's like, he's the lead guitar, one of the founders. He just got the Holy Ghost. I said, you've got to be kidding me. He said, "No, no, he he did." He said, he's like, "And there's a there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, a lot of actors and actresses from uh, movies. I'm sure you haven't seen. Uh, we won't talk about them, but they just got the Holy Ghost. You wouldn't believe it. They just got the Holy Ghost." Listen, these were a lot of adult entertainers. Can I just be plain? And God had filled them with the Holy Ghost. Do you think God can't get in some of these places? I'm telling you, I serve a God who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all. And what are you facing? What situation do you think God can't get into? What code do you think he can't crack? He can get into any situation. Give him praise right now. There's already a trophy. There's already a trophy. Let me read you a story as I come to a close. In the 1800s, the Russian Orthodox Church and uh, the, the Russian Empire ruled the Armenian people and forced them to convert to Russian Orthodoxy. During that time, a small group of them began to study the Bible The result was they had an encounter with the Holy Ghost. They became known as the leapers and jumpers because of the way they worshipped. When you get an encounter with the Holy Ghost, it'll turn you into a leaper and a jumper. (laughs) And they were known as leapers and jumpers because how they worshipped. They were also known as milk drinkers. Now, just because you have an experience with the Holy Ghost does not mean you'll be known as a milk drinker. But it came, that designation, the, 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 the mollickers, which was the name meaning milk drinker, came because they didn't fast milk as was required by the Russian Orthodox Church on certain fast days. They just didn't do that. They let the gifts of the Spirit flow, and they were very much into the prophetic. During uh, one season, one service, an 11-year-old boy gave a prophecy that he said God had showed him a, a, a map and told him that a great calamity was coming to the empire soon and that he wanted their group to escape to Los Angeles before it was too late and to pay attention to the signs of the times to know when to leave. I might add, incidentally, that their village was located in the shadow of Mount Ararat which is where Noah's ark rested after the judgment. And by the time this 11-year-old boy was an elder in the church, they had noticed the signs of the times were coming to pass. And he said, we better leave before it's too late. Thousands of these Armenian leapers immigrated to L.A. And this is right at during the season of the Azusa Street Revival that took place. One of those immigrants, I'm, ta- I'm telling you, God, God could do anything. That's, that's what I'm I'm not trying to tell you a history lesson. I'm trying to show you God can do anything. And God's been working behind the scenes. See, we just think, oh, this is all there is to it. No, you haven't seen his trophy case. 
I'm trying to guess to see God's trophy case. So one of those immigrants was a 17-year-old boy who anglicized his name from Tatos to Thomas. And in Los Angeles, Thomas started a garbage truck company that was successful enough that his son could start an even more successful grocery train, uh, grocery chain, grocery chain. And that grocery chain success enabled him to send his son, Robert, to law school. Robert graduated with his law degree and became a high-profile lawyer that some of you may have seen because he was hired to defend a certain man named O.J. Simpson. Robert Kardashian. He was successful enough for his kids to become celebrities, socialites. And his daughter, Kim, marketed that status, leveraged it in such a way that it literally reshaped the way we use social media and the internet. And there was a young man obsessed with pornography who became obsessed with Kim who ended up marrying her. His name was Kanye West. And Kanye, in his journey, in his story, began to realize none of this is working the way I thought it would. Maybe there's a hope that's bigger than Hollywood. And he began to look to the true and living God. Now listen, don't judge me. Don't judge him. I don't know how this is all going to turn out. All I do know is that I felt the Holy Ghost the other night over here in a, in a big grassy field under some crosses as that man and his choir led us in praise and worship to the true and living God. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Who's to say that God couldn't move through prophetic words, positioning, and getting them right in place to be a voice to this generation that I don't know what to do with, but God knows what to do with them. You might not know what to do with your situation, but I serve a God who's already got a trophy, already got a trophy for your victory. Give him praise. Stand with me right now and give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My God. In the shadow of Ararat, where Noah's ark came to rest, a prophetic word said, you got to go to Los Angeles. There were a million and a half Armenians that died. They would face persecution from the Ottoman Empire, Turkey, from Russia, World War II. The, the Ottoman Empire allied with Hitler. They were killing them left and right. But there was a family. They had shifted their name from the original to Kardashian. They had immigrated to Los Angeles. Could it be for such a time as this? I don't know, but I do know this. Isaiah 53 tells the story of Jesus' ultimate victory over death, hell, and the grave. Verse 12 then says, and he he divided the spoils with the strong. And our strength is not in our ability. Our strength is in our faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. He divided the spoils. I'm just going to tell you right now, your victory's already got a declaration. There's already a trophy for it. 
Isaiah looked on it with his eyes some 2,700 years ago. Isaiah, tradition says, was martyred. And it was brutal. He was sawn in half. That's terrible. We looked in Revelation. It's mentioned in the writings of Paul. There is the the victor's crown, the overcoming crown, the trophy for the overcomers. The Stephanos crown. We looked at it in our series with Revelation. Paul said, I, I ran the race. I finished the course. I kept the faith. Therefore, there's a crown laid up for me. Could it be that Isaiah even saw his own crown, his own trophy? And he's like, and saw me in half. But it's like Job had said years before, with my eyes I will see God. I will magnify him. I will bless him in my flesh. I will live again. You cut me down, I'm coming back. On the other side, I've already seen my trophy. Isaiah, he's not, it's not like he's super Christian, you know, like he's favored because his name's in the Bible and he wrote a book. One day he'll stand before the king of kings who will say, well done. Here's your crown. And then we'll take all those crowns and throw them at Jesus' feet. Amen. What are you facing? There's already, there's already a trophy. Close your eyes with me right now. Father, there are, in a crowd this size, of course, many struggles, many challenges in the room, things we are facing. But God, you put this word on my heart so we could understand. We may go through the battle, but the victory is assured. If I don't lose my faith, if I lose my faith, I've lost everything. But if I keep the faith, I've got the trophy. I've got the victory. Ain't no devil in hell. God can move in my family. God can move in my finances. God can move in my relationship. God can move in my marriage. God can move in my home. God can save my wayward child, my prodigal son. God can move in that bitter backslider. God can move in that situation. My God is able. There's already a trophy. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed. For more information on our church, Pastor Donovan, or service times, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.